0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Basketball game to be able to walk out of here with the W. Yeah, this was uh, not a game they could. Could clear the bench they only went nine deep the grizzlies only had nine healthy players and then only eight after jake laravia sprained an ankle after playing just one minute grizzlies with six in double figures led by Gigi jackson with t- julius randall a game high 24. nicks oh, that
1: was <laughs> that was interesting Um, so the Knicks, uh, escape with a win. Uh, sure. Let's go with escape with a win in Memphis, uh, against a team that was missing. I I think it's entire, like if you, if you gave, if you gave them, if you filled out a sheet with their ideal rotation before the season started, including players who were like out for the year, Uh, I don't think a single one of those players was, was healthy tonight. Maybe one. Um, And so, of course, the Knicks being the Knicks made this game much closer than it had any right to be, um, made it much more interesting than it had any right to be. And actually, as only the Knicks can, gave us a lot more to talk about than um, they probably should have. Um, (laughs) I'm going to start by congratulating Thomas uh, Thibodeau uh, on his 500th career win as will surprise nobody. And I will just say that it is fitting for a man who has said that he is only happy when he is miserable to get his 500th win on a night when he is purely miserable, given the performance that the Knicks put forth uh, in Memphis. So uh, congrats to Tibbs. And of course, you know, it's just as fitting that on a night he gets his 500th win. there's going to be some controversy, um, you know, and Tibbs is going to do it in the way that Tibbs only knows how to do it. So if that means playing your backup center turn starting center and your backup point guard he's actually not even really your backup point guard, your, your third string point guard start of the year is your third string point guard, um, you know, turn to starting point guard tonight because there's no Jalen Brunson. If it means playing both of those guys the entire second half, well, then it means playing both of those guys the entire second half. Uh, we had that, um, and then of course we had a little uh, quote, courtesy of Steve Popper, uh, before the game that was making the rounds on Twitter and getting getting under some people's ruffling some feathers. Let's let's go with that uh, about how the Knicks got rid of some softies uh, with some recent uh, moves, sending out R.J. Barrett, Manuel Quickly, and and uh, Obi Toppin. And I think a lot of people speculated that that quote may have come from, um, you know. Someone on Tom Thibodeau's coaching staff. So it's never easy with him. It's never simple with him. Um, there's never, you know, universal love or praise for how he goes about his business. Uh, he is is a man that uh, seemingly has specialized in making enemies, both in front offices and amongst fan bases, over the course of his uh, career as an NBA head coach. All that being said. Five hundred wins is a lot of fucking wins, and uh, a good portion of those have come here in New York for a franchise that has not experienced a whole lot of success, uh, or had not experienced a whole lot of success in the decades, decades plural, prior to his arrival. So love him, hate him, fall somewhere in between. Um, You do have to respect what the man has done, and uh, you know that's that'll be the end of my. Uh, gushing about him for now Uh, let us talk about the players in this game Uh, have to start with deuce mcbride so it's funny that i think the conversation coming out of this game or the conversation throughout most of this game aside from the fact that the knicks came out with an absolutely abhorrent effort uh, and attention to detail and just a lack of seriousness against a team that they thought like apparently they didn't learn their lesson from Dallas, and that's a that's worrisome. To be very clear, that is worrisome. That they like they didn't take the hint. And I know, like, you know, you, you maybe after the Dallas game, you say, eh, they had Kyrie Irving, they had Tim Hardaway Jr." You know, I'm trying to think. You know, I don't know Josh Green. You know, they, these guys are like like Kyrie is a superstar, and they had other real NBA players. This Memphis team doesn't have anybody. So, like. I, I don't know. Maybe it's unfair for me to have uh, to to think that they should have learned their lesson. Either way, they didn't. And, um, you know, they they played with their food and they and they were down by whatever they were four points at the half because of it, because it was just a completely unserious half of basketball between the turnovers and um, mostly the turnovers. It was really just the turnovers. I think they finished the game with. I'm afraid to look 23 turnovers. I'm pretty sure that's a season high. Um, So, yeah. Uh, but the besides that, the story of the, the game, I think, was going to be and, and maybe still is the fact that this team is woefully in need of another playmaker because they started the year with four guys who they felt comfortable uh, to two different extents, putting the ball in their hands and initiating offense. And they traded two of those guys away to Toronto. And Jalen Brunson missed the game, so they're down to one. And uh, well, I'll get to Julius Randall in a minute, but like, I think it's safe to say that you know, just putting putting the ball in Julius's hands and and say and, uh, you know, run our offense, it ain't 2021 anymore. I mean, God bless them; they figured it out this year. It had a lo- or that year, it had a lot to do with the pieces around Julius at that time. Um It's it's they don't have those pieces that th- th- this team was not built to be a, uh, heliocentric Randall focused offense. So the focus was, was going to be, and maybe still is we got to get somebody else in here who can, who could break down a defense who could penetrate. And so I find it interesting um, that the, the guy who's going to come out of this game, getting the most praise because he deserves it is Deuce McBride. I mean, his stat line was great. 19.6 rebounds, five assists, exceptional defense, four of seven from three, and and seven to ten overall from the field. Like You quite literally can't ask for any more from Deuce McBride than what you got tonight. It was great to see he's clearly a hard worker. It's part of the reason why uh, that and his defense, part of the reason why I think the Knicks were comfortable making the quickly trade. A lot of the focus has been on Grimes. I I think evidenced by the fact that they gave Deuce McBride that contract extension, I wonder if a bigger – if as big a part, if not a bigger part of the focus or or a, a calculation for that trade was getting deuce, giving deuce a real chance. And he's he's run with the chance and he's done exceptional with what he's been able to do. And yet, even after watching again, what was an absolute three star performance from him. You still kind of leave this game feeling like, man. Not sure how many more nights I would feel comfortable with him trying to initiate the offense because, you know, and again, I'll repeat, this is Benji's line that he said several times. He's more of a wing than a point guard. And um, it doesn't mean it can't work with him running the show for stints. Um, I'll be curious to see how they address it, if they address it moving forward and how, how and whether, whether and how Deuce can continue to be a part of the equation, because here's the thing. The dude is an NBA player. He deserves minutes. He should get minutes on this team. He's good enough to get minutes on this team, but I'm just not sure how it's going to look, you know, and who's, who's the the piece that they trade for. If indeed they trade for someone. So, um, but a great night from Deuce, a great night from Deuce. Uh, Isaiah Harnstein, 42 minutes. Is that, I think it's career high. If it's not a career high, it's close. Um took six field goals, made five, and um twenty two zero rebounds. Uh that ties a career high. He is as as Mike Breen said, he is inhaling, inhaling um rebounds at a geometric rate. Um, and it's it's really cool to see. He's he's making himself a lot of money, I think, this offseason. Obviously the conversation about um how much the Knicks are going to have to pay to keep him? Whether they could get to the number it's going to take to, to to keep him is going to be an ongoing conversation. But so those those are the two standout guys. with it With a tip of the cap to Malachi Flynn, and, and if you, you know, and and Benji had a, a tweet alluding to this. If you're someone that's like, why why did Malachi Flynn only play ten minutes tonight? I I would forgive you, um, because he was good in his ten minutes. I mean, I know he committed three quick fouls in those ten minutes, but like. He showed some nice burst. Um, he got downhill. He got into the teeth of the defense. Um, you know, I think he hit a three. Uh, he did hit a three, one, one and two. And like, just like looked the part of a backup point guard. And um, I mean, again, it's no shade at Deuce. Again, Deuce was awesome. He's the he's the star of the game for me. But Flynn was good. So, you know, be interested to see if anything comes of that. But again, didn't play in the second half because obviously he's not he's not not in the circle of trust quite yet. Um, so those are the three guys that came and and I thought played really well. As for everybody else, I mean, uh, Divincenzo had an off-shooting game, but I, I would group Divincenzo, Ananobi, certainly Hart, even though Hart did not start the game. A little Hardenstein early on, like there was a couple of not great Hardenstein moments, but most of all, Randall, as guys who just came out early on and like these are your these are supposed to be your veterans um unserious basketball you know um and really i'm gonna i'll single out i think Hart and randall and and really randall and yeah i'm gonna go in on randall a little bit tonight because like on one hand you know fool fool me once shame on me fool me twice you know shame on you how's that go no fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me well like we know that like consistently bringing a certain type of attitude towards every game um is not a strength of this player and sometimes he doesn't have it and when he's your lone initiator and he's the guy you're looking to to get you into sets to 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 you know obviously make plays uh and like god forbid you know, ask him to set the tone a little bit on defense, which like he 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 set the tone on defense early on. Don't get me wrong. Not the tone you wanted. Um it's not it's not great, you know? And like I think it's funny, you know, Zach uh, Zach Lowe and um Chris Herring did a good pod that dropped yesterday, picking their East All Star teams, and both guys had Randall, I think, on the team. And then Zach said something funny, he's like, Man, there's something about Randall that leaves you either like I forget what exactly his words were, but like leaves you wanting more or leaves you feeling like, man, is this guy really an all-star? And then you look at the numbers and you look at how the team is performing and you can't leave him off. And then you watch a game like this and you're like, man, if you're an all-star, you can't have a night like this. It's just if they lost this game, this would be on Randall's head more than anybody else. So, um, I, I yeah, and then on down from there. Obi, some some foolishness tonight. Some good and some bad. I mean, like, look, Obi's going to become a very divisive fig- figure because anytime Obi OG, I'm going to do that a lot. Anytime OG has a, a rough night or can't finish a play or you know just is underwhelming in any way, people are going to be like, wait, this is the guy that we gave up Emmanuel quickly for, and some people will be like, this is the guy that we give up R.J. Barrett for. And then wait till you see what he's going to get paid this summer. And I understand all that. And I think that's the difference between a star and a role player right there. Because if you if you, you, could put a star, and I think Emmanuel, that's why everybody who said it's going to go down as the Emmanuel quickly trade more than the OG Ananobi trade. Because quickly has star potential. You put the ball in his hands and he makes things happen. Even RJ, if for as inconsistent as he is, and he did not have a good game last night. You put the ball in his hands, and he could do some stuff. That's not OG. It's not like, okay, Brunson's out. Well, now, OG, you're the number two, right? Randall's the number one. You're the number two. Like, go make stuff happen. That's not his game. He's a role player. He's probably the best role player in the NBA, but he's still a role player. And I think you were reminded of that tonight. Could do some nice things. Did do some nice things. Had a couple of nice drives to the hoop. Made a couple of nice passes. Um, Was obviously off from deep, only one of four. But And, you know, ultimately, the reason he's the best role player in the NBA, arguably, uh, is the defense. And, like, he made his presence felt on defense. Like, say, you could say a lot of things about his game tonight. The dude defended and made an absolute impact because in the second half, the entire Knicks team, I would say Deuce most of all, but OG right there behind him, put the clamps down and were like, yeah, this team's not scoring. And, uh, you know, sure enough, uh, I think the Grizzlies scored 20 points, they scored the second half. They scored 15 in the third and 22 in the, sec- in the fourth. So 37-point second half after a 57-point first half. So 20-point improvement on the defense. Helped that the Grizzlies couldn't hit a three in the third quarter. But look, you, you, it's they cleaned it up, and OG was part of that. So like, I'm not going to kill OG. Um, Steven Shenzel was trying hard on defense, too, so I'm not going to kill him either. I talked about Hart. I, I, I mean, man, there are some games that Hart has that it just, you shake your head. Because you're like, what are you doing, man? And then he has other games where you're like, this guy's the most valuable player on our team. You know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, you know, he could vacillate. And then the, the last guy I haven't talked about, or two guys, um, Achua, again, only six minutes in the first half. Thought he played okay. He was fine, but not in the circle of trust. And speaking of the circle of trust, maybe this is an appropriate place to finish. Um, Quentin Grimes, on a night, again, no Jalen Brunson. And on a night when Dante DiVincenzo did not have it. Offensively, it was, and it was evident, I think, that Devin didn't have it offensively. Quentin Grimes, 15 minutes. You know, one of five from the field, one of four from three. Looked like he was forcing a little bit in the second half. I... A situation to keep an eye on. And uh, the fact that Grimes only got 15 minutes in this game especially when compared to Deuce, right? Deuce got 38, Grimes 15. Like, I know Deuce, the guy that Deuce is, plays Deuce's position um, was out, so gets more minutes. The guy who was ahead of Grimes was healthy, so it's not apples to apples by any stretch, but like, there was easily a world where Grimes could have played 25 or 30 minutes tonight. He didn't. Keep an eye on that situation, and I would not be surprised as we get closer to Trade season. Um, if there were not reports that emerged, perhaps in the not too distant future, about uh, the Knicks talking about Quentin Grimes, wouldn't I? Don't know anything. Just wouldn't be surprised. That's all. Uh, I think that's it. Got the win. I mean, at the end of the day, they got the win, and wins are like they all count. They're all good. They're all necessary in this Eastern conference. They, My God, are they necessary? Um, so, you know, and like, just what, you know, if, if you're, if you're feeling down about tonight and you're like, man, I was all, I was in on this team. And now after these last two games, I don't know if I could be as in on them. And remember two things. One, they're not done yet, which is kind of alluding to before uh, this teams. I would be utterly shocked if they didn't make another move. And I don't think, I don't think the Ananobi trade was viewed as like we're done. We're we're good. If this is the last thing we do, we're good. I think they fully intend on doing something else to make this a more complete team. And two, for as frustrating as it could be on nights like this, and for as frustrating as they have been at times this season, including the, the last game against Dallas, like this team is still having a hell of a year. Uh, they're 23 and 16. They're obviously in the thick of the race for home court advantage in the East. And you look across the league and, uh, you know, at some of these situations, you know, with with teams that have like that are kind of built like the Knicks. They have top end talent. You know, I would I would argue better top end talent than the Knicks in a lot of situations and like role players that kind of fit in. And I mean, you you know, whether you want to look at you know, Chicago, I mean, Atlanta lost by 20 something points to the Wizards tonight. Imagine being a Hawks fan. Um, So like Atlanta, um, obviously Toronto already blew up their team. uh, And then obviously like the Lakers, the Suns kind of putting it together but Suns are two games above 500, you know, and then like the Warriors, it's just, there's a lot of teams that came into this year with real aspirations and that um, are absolutely falling all over themselves. And, you know, so, and also we should remember the Knicks just did make a big trade and they, you know, really disrupted their ecosystem. And for as great a fit as OG is when they are together and whole, um, it's also going to continue to be an adjustment. Um, And we're seeing that. So hopefully they could clean up as they spend this next month at home. Um, And we'll see where we're at after that.
0: Just go to indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com/slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay.
1: I think that's it. Uh, I know it's Saturday night. I don't know. I don't know how many super chats we're gonna have until like 1037. Uh shout out to everybody watching and uh and tuning in. And yeah, happy to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. And shout out to APJP, who's on the ones and twos tonight. Uh GMAC has the night off watching football. I believe there's a football game. So yeah. Um, Mythic Monty starts us off. This team is nothing. All caps, nothing without Bronson. Um, I agree. Um, speaking of the aforementioned low post podcast with Chris Herring, both of Chris and Zach had Brunson as their fifth starter in the East for East all-star position. And like, they didn't need to feel the need to justify it because it's not a really controversial take to say that Jalen Brunson has been, um, if not one of the five best players in the East this year, like pretty close to it. Um, He is their leader. He is their leader in the locker room he is their leader on the court and you know the I think the biggest knock on him other than his maybe hesitancy with the three-point shooting um has been like he's not a he's not a real table setter right he's too much ISO like you see how their offense operates without him and you're like like what more do you want from the dude Like it is night and day. It is night and day. And that's a lot to fall on his shoulders. And I, I, it's what they, I mean, this team, I think they need to make another move. And I think they will. So, yeah. Thanks, Mythic Mathi. By the way, if anybody's wondering why I'm drinking a Mike's hard strawberry lemonade, uh, it is the only thing to drink in my in law's house, which is where I am doing this podcast from. So, um, it's not bad i've had worse you also focused, disgusting performance no matter how it ends i mean disgusting is like a little strong and here's why was the first half disgusting yes first half disgusting embarrassing um put your head in a paper bag type of and you know like the old the old head in the, the paper bags over the heads when fans went to games um all of that stuff in the first half came out in the second half and they played like a basketball team um, and they played serious basketball. So I'm not, if you want to be like, that was embarrassing and it was a disgrace and all of the things, that's fine. For me, I'm going to, yeah. I'm trying to see the bright side. I'm trying to have the glass half full here because again, they came out at halftime and like, yeah, like if if that was a better team, they were playing. And they came out at, at halftime and like, they, st- it wasn't perfect. Like it was better. It was not perfect. It was far from perfect, but they didn't have to be perfect tonight. Cause they were playing this, this Grizzlies team and they didn't have Jalen Brunson. And I have to think, I have to think part of the calculation in sitting Brunson was like, we, we, we should be, we should be able to get a win tonight without him. So yeah. Thanks Joe. Mythic Monty with another one. Thank you again for the contribution, Mythic Monty. When Jalen is out and there isn't a comp- competent primary facilitator, the ad hoc offense results in lots of turnovers. Please get a backup point guard ASAP. I so here's where I mean, you're look, you're not wrong. Twenty, what they have? Twenty three. Forgot already. Twenty three turnovers is like that's absurd, and just to to. Put a put a real fine point on it. Julius Randle six, and an Obi four. Way too many for a guy that does not initiate offense. Hardenstein three, couple of silly ones. McBride three. I, I'll McBride three. I'm fine with. I'm fine with McBride three turnovers. You're you're the you're the nominal point guard. You have the ball in your hands a lot. I'm fine with three turnovers for McBride, especially given that he played 38 minutes. Um Di Vincenzo too. I think at least one of those was pretty silly. And Hart had two. And I feel like I can, I don't remember exactly what they were, but like Josh Hart had like three or four moments in this game where I was like, "Dude, what the fuck are you doing?" So, like, I I, I don't know. I I I'm I'm waffling on this because like on one hand I'm like, there's no excuse for that many turnovers because that's just like be, being careful with the ball. But on the other hand, it's like well. If you put the ball in in guys' hands who who aren't used to having to make decisions and to initiate offense, and you ask them to make decisions and initiate offense, I like you're gonna get this stuff. So in that sense, you're right. I still think like 23 minutes. Like I don't give a fuck who your initiator or cr- creator or whatever it is. Like 23 turnovers against this Grizzlies team is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, and you can't have it. And it's like. Be better, just be better. Thanks, Smith and Appreciate you. Um. Next up, Andrew P. I'll never understand Tibbs' ugly offensive scheme. I okay. I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about that. He didn't have a point guard tonight. Um. I I don't know what else is. I mean, the teams. I I feel like a crazy person. I I always have to reference that they were the third ranked offense in the league last year and they are a top 10 offense this year. Like there's an offensive explosion happening in the NBA. And like again, like this is why I love that we have guys at KFS who do what they do in um uh obviously Benji and DJ Zulo, and we just added someone else who's been doing a few threads for us. I like think 99th basketball. I'll look up his his actual uh Twitter handle in a second. Um but like watch any thread Watch any thread these guys put up, out and you're going to see offensive sophistication. And if you're not seeing it, then you're just not looking because it's there, you know, it's there. And this has been one of the best offenses in the league. I don't, I don't, I don't, this is like one of those like Tibbs narratives that it doesn't matter. Tibbs can have the number one offense for five years in a row. And people will still criticize his offensive schemes. I, I don't, I, I don't really get it, uh, but to each their own. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate you. Uh Mark Fabros. Deuce is nice, but this really put the need for a true uh, backup point guard in stark terms. We are a Jalen Brunson injury away from being a lottery team. Yeah. Um, And by the way, our newest film guy, Hoops Don, and it's at 99th basketball. I was right about that. So at 99th basketball, follow him. He's great. Um, I'm just trying to think of how many players in the NBA are more indispensable to their team than Jalen Brunson. Um, you know what? It's funny. I think I would have said Halliburton. And given how the Pacers have played since Halliburton has gone out, I, I don't know if I could say Indiana anymore. Um, I, uh, it, Embiid, uh, Embiid. Although, honestly, like again, they have Tyrus Maxey. They have a guy you could put the ball in that dude's hands and say, here, like, go go run an offense for 40 minutes, and he could do it. And then Tobias Harris goes up to your number two, and it's like, Tobias Harris isn't a great number two, but he could he could do some things as a number two. So, like, is it crazy to say that Jalen Brunson is more vital to his team's offense than Joel Embiid, who is the literal MVP and will be the MVP maybe again this year? Is that crazy to say? I, I, I feel like I watched this team tonight, now that if Emmanuel Quickly was still here, there would be no conversation. Brunson, I I don't even think Brunson would be in the top twenty in this conversation. Now that Quickly is gone, I mean I I'm, I'm being dead serious about this. Is he the most indispensable player to his team in the East with the Knicks as currently constituted? I mean Giannis. I guess Giannis, you'd probably have to give the nod to. Um I'm like, I'm being, abs- someone could happily roast me on this, but I, I feel like this is not a crazy point. It, if it's a crazy point, then kill me for it. But I don't think it's a crazy point. Um, you know, and in the West, you got, you know, like Jokic and, and it's funny, but like you'd say, like Luka, Luka does everything for his team. And yet, you know, they came out the other night and were like pretty damn good offense without Luka Tocic. So this team is nothing without Brunson. This team is nothing without Brunson. They need him. They absolutely need him. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. DJ MKC. Ugly win, but a win nonetheless. Yes, a win nonetheless, and a win that um what did this keep us at sixth? Yeah, kept us at sixth in the conference. Tied with Cleveland, half game back Indiana. So there you go. Um, the Pistons took Boston to overtime this year. Games like this happen for all the fans. who are going to complain about this double W. Yeah, they do happen. I think the reason why I think there's a few reasons why people are mad. One, the effort in the first half was truly embarrassing. Like this was not a half where like the Knicks went. Two of 20 from three, right. And just like couldn't hit a shot, but it was like good offense. Like they were kicking the freaking ball around and they did not take this game seriously at all. Um, really on either end of the floor, like the, tr- the, the transition defense was very poor, um, in particular. And like the offense was again, the turnovers was a joke. So I think it was the nature of how they came out that was discouraging, but also like hand in hand with that is we've gotten really used to this team coming out and giving a full max effort pretty much every night since Thibodeau arrived. And the fact that now when they come out and it's like, oh, this team's not taking this game seriously. It's like, what the fuck is this? Well, this is the this is basically what we watched for most of 20 years. Um before Tibbs got here. So I think that's part of why it's it's so it's so startling. Um, because again, we've we've gotten used to it. So yeah, um, and also the competition tonight. Like they played a G League team, you know? They played a G League team and they were losing. At the half. Thanks, DJ. I agree with you, by the way, just to be clear. A win is a win, but I'm just trying to explain away why people are like so despondent. Uh, Jesse M. What's going on, Jesse? Tibbs gets a lot of crap from fans for the overworking his players and hard on his players nonsense, but at the end of the day, he's a damn good coach and tremendously underrated in NBA history. So, I mean, look, you're obviously preaching to the choir. Um, I'll have something on Tibbs uh, in the newsletter for a newsletter, a special Sunday newsletter for tomorrow. Um, I will just say that uh, in terms of coaches throughout NBA history who have 500 wins and have um, his winning percentage, he's won 57, over 57% of his games as a head coach, and he has 500 wins. Um, not many guys have done that. And the ones who have done that, uh, all but one, are in the Hall of Fame or they're going to be in the Hall of Fame as soon as they retire. Now, is Tibbs a Hall of Famer? I don't think so. Not right now. Because here's the other thing. Of those other 11 coaches who, again, have 500 wins and have won at least 57% of their games, every single one of them has at least been to the finals. um, And most of them have, like, multiple championships. Tibbs does not says no championships. He has never been to the finals. And um, at this rate, will he get there? I I, I mean, I, I hope so uh, because it means the Knicks are in the finals because he, he ain't never getting another job after this. Um, So like he has a complicated legacy. He has a complicated legacy, but I think you know, more than anything he is a coach that is respected around the league not because he's perfect but because in a league where there are so many ups and downs night to night and year to year like to get a guy who you know like okay no matter what his teams are going to come out and be prepared with a game plan that if they execute the game plan they're going to stand a chance. And like, it feels weird saying this after tonight, like more often than not far more often than not, as often as any other team in the NBA in terms of, you know, their coach, they're going to come out with the requisite effort. And even tonight, like, yeah, they did not come out with the requisite effort or level of seriousness until halftime when surely he ripped them a fucking new one. <laughs> and then, and then, um, and then they won the game. So, yeah. Thanks, Jesse. Gee Hooper, then what's going on? Hooper Hart has yet to play into his contract. No disagreement. I don't think Hart's been great this year. He's a he's been a B minus this year. Maybe I give him a B minus. That feels a little generous, actually. Um, if I could never, if I could never see him bring the ball up again, I'd be very glad. One a Randall is gross. Congrats on 500 for tips. Yeah, it's. I don't mind him bringing the ball up. I mind him. I mean him bringing the ball up is like whatever. It's I wonder about his thought process sometimes when he makes plays. And like he's clearly an instinctual player and like goes on feel and that could be a gift sometimes, it could also be a curse. And I think Josh Hart is a is a classic example of or is it displays like the classic role player trait of if you give them more than they are they should be doing, they will not look good. And like like that dude in a perfect world should probably be playing like I don't know twenty four, twenty six minutes a night. He's playing a little bit more than that here. He has since he got here. Um but, yeah, and uh, Randall, not good tonight. Not good. Thanks, G. Hoover. Kevin Danishevsky, <laughs> 500. Man, we need a backup creator. Also, if you don't trust Precious, just play Sims. I don't know if you trust Sims either. I'm like, that's not an argument, but it's just like I'm just asking. I don't know. <laughs> Does he trust Sims? Like the fact that they're playing Precious, I wonder. I mean, I think they do want to see what they have, but he. It clearly, he doesn't trust him because he, it, this is the second second half against a terrible team that he didn't play him. Um, I would, I'd be so surprised if they didn't make him. I, it's funny. It's like they made this huge trade, and I, I'm sitting here thinking they're going to make at least two more trades because I think they're going to get a different backup center, and I think they're going to get another playmaker. Um, we'll see. Don't exhaust Isaiah Hardenstein, um, like. Uh, I know OG was bad, but silly to not close with him. I didn't even notice that OG wasn't on the floor to close. Honestly, who was on the was so was hard on the floor to close. Yeah, I, I, that's a bad job by me. I I just I don't. It takes a lot for me to like notice when someone is out there or is not out there in the closing lineup. Um, and I did not notice the fact that OG was not out there. So bad, bad job by me. Um, but that's 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 fair. I l- let me say this though I mm, didn't love the OG Randall minutes tonight. I didn't love that. Now it, should should he have closed without Randall? <laughs> Maybe, but we know that wasn't going to happen. I don't know. It's it's fair though. It's very fair. I just I just didn't notice it. Thanks, Kev. Appreciate you, man. Happy Saturday night, David Crockett. What's going on, David? Always, a, always a pleasure to hear from you. The lesson tonight is bigger than needing a backup point guard. This team lacks court awareness and isn't ball strong outside of Brunson and Hardenstein. Playoff turnovers. Could not agree more. Could not agree more. Um, and I'm glad you said Hardenstein too. I'm glad you said Hardenstein too because he does have good court awareness. He's a, a little a little bit too much of a gambling man with some of the passes, which is why I think there was initial hesitancy on the part of the coaching staff to give him the sort of usage and well, not usage, but like, you know, run as much through him as the Clippers did. Um, but in terms of like court awareness, I, I want to be kind here. Cause here's the thing. like, Quickly had really nice court awareness. Now, you could fluster quickly. Last season, you could fluster quickly. He was flustered in the playoffs. I think he grew, and I think he was better this year. So I think he had a really good court awareness. Unlike RJ, say what you want about the guy. I, I don't think that's a criticism of him either. So like you could say that they lost two of their two of their top four court awareness guys, again, to use your term, I think that's probably fair to say, because Randall, very valid criticism of him. Um, I mean, OGN and OB, he is, I mean, we I think we've seen enough to know, like, you want that dude finishing, right? That dude is a, I don't know if he's an elite finisher. He's a really good finisher, and he could finish in a lot of ways, and he could finish with power, and like, yeah, he put a couple of moves on the on the on the G G League Grizzlies tonight um, that were nice, but he also had a couple of moments where you're like, "Oh my god, dude, that's that's not what you want." So, question mark there. Um, Hart, we've just talked about doing like lots of silly shit. Uh, Grimes, I can't say I can't sit here and be like, "Oh, I love I love Quentin Grimes' court awareness." is the one guy I, I would maybe think about adding to the group. Um, Similar to Hartenstein in that he, well, he's a little bit too much of a gambler, and I don't. He he maybe skews a little bit closer to Hart than Hartenstein in terms of the, like the the risk reward. Like when Hartenstein makes a pass, that's not a great pass. You at least you could see the vision, and you're like, all right, I get it, fine. If they if that converted, like it would have been an easy bucket. Divincenzo not quite on that 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 far um look you're 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 dead right and i guess the question for the immediate future is can getting the right guy in here um whoever that is you know we assume it's going to be a point guard but like maybe it's not going to be a point guard i don't know but can getting the right guy in here tilt the tilt tilt the scales enough so that again the it's a great term that you used so that the court awareness is is strong enough that if you face oh my god I, I don't even want to say the words that if you face a Miami Heat team again in the playoffs um or my lord Boston who like defensively they could just you know, I, I don't need to sell anybody on what on what Boston could do defensively. But like even Miami's the one man. That's that would be scary with with this specific issue. With this specific issue. So I am I mean I'm sure the front office is thinking about it. I'm sure. Thanks, David. Ben, what's going on, Ben? How you doing? Always a pleasure, man. Thibs lied. That was not more fun than fun is fun. <laughs> that's the line of the night. That's the line of the night, dude.
2: Mm.
1: No, it was not. No, it was not more fun than fun is fun. Uh, but it's a win. It's a win. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure. Armand, uh burden burdenal, burdenage, With Deuce emerging, does it make losing quick sting less? Also, Evil Dante. Um, I mean, it's such a, it's such a, it's such a, I think losing quick will stay. This team could win a championship, and I think there will be people who still are sad that they lost. Um, quick. Now you're talking more from just like a on-court perspective, not you know in terms of like what he meant to the franchise. Um, no, because like, look, Deuce was Deuce was great tonight. Like this was, a, but this was about as good an offensive performance as he he's could have. Again, he played 38 minutes, and he took 10 shots. Like think about, it. and he, I'm again. This is not a criticism of Deuce. I think he's playing with confidence. I think he's absolutely playing with confidence. But like, ten shots in in 38 minutes is is not a lot. And I'm the reason I'm focusing on the shots is like, the reason he only took ten shots is because he doesn't he doesn't have the one on one breakdown ability to like like you saw it like the the. The Grizz kept switching. Um, I think it was mostly Tillman onto him, and like, like Tillman's actually. I haven't, I haven't watched the Grizzlies nearly enough to be able to say this with any confidence. I think Tillman's a pretty good switch guy. Certainly looked like a pretty good switch guy tonight. Um, so, like that, I'm not trying to say like, oh, that's an easy like blow by for him. Like is the case with some other bigs. But Deuce was like trying to to get going downhill tonight, and he got going downhill a few times. He had a couple of nice finishes at the basket, right? But the notion that, like, Deuce, is, like, how many successful pick and rolls did, did Deuce run tonight? You know? I, I feel terrible being critical of him because the dude just literally had a career night. This was arguably the best performance of his career. But if you're talking about specifically what the Knicks need from that position, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's if it's it's not in the same category. Quickly, that goes without saying. Thanks, Omen. Uh, Dom, what's going on, Dom? Happy Saturday night. Uh, good win. Uh, that's right. Good win. I'm with Kevin. Unless if there is a big man trade coming, uh, in a day or two, then it's high time for some Jericho time. Uh, completely unsustainable for iHeart. Uh, my gut says a move is coming. Um, let's look at the old calendar it's January 13th trade deadline is four weeks from two days ago. Mm. I don't know, man. I mean, just let's think it through. If you have a, first of all, there's been reports. I apologize. I want to credit the person who reported this. I, and I'm forgetting who it was, but it was a, a, some national reporter. Uh, Said or wrote that the backup big market specifically um, is going to be. There's a lot of teams looking for good backup bigs, so you're going to be competing. So if that's if that's the case, if the market for backup bigs is uh, frothy, shall we say, then for you to get a backup big now, you are outbidding the market which means you are going to pay for them i don't know what the cost would be but you're basically going to pay like more than that player is worth now maybe the knicks are in a position where they feel like we that's fine we're gonna we're, we're comfortable paying more than the market is worth because we feel that desperate or or perhaps the knicks think you know what we're going to ride this Hartenstein thing um, because he did not play a ton of minutes until recently. So like, it's, it's not like he's worn down in the same way, like a, a year long starter has been worn down and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So like I, I, this is, this is pretty cynical. This is kind of a cynical way to look at it, but maybe the Knicks are kind of figuring like, look, we might be losing this guy anyway. And we may not have control over that because, again, for anybody watching who may not know what the deal is, Isaiah Harnstein is an early bird free agent, which means the Knicks can only give him a raise of 175 uh, percent of his current contract, which um, we I, I talked about it with Fred on a recent episode. It's 14 point something, 14.5, 14.6, something like that. I forget. Plus the uh, bonus that they worked into his current contract. So with the bonuses, which are are likely bonuses that matters, it's essentially a contract starting at about 16 a year. The mid level is going to be about 13. So like, like they can, they, I think they'll probably be able to outbid the market because I, I I still have doubts. And I went through all the teams recently. I'm going to do a newsletter on it this week. Uh, I still have doubts whether a cap space team is going to come and use cap space to sign as their hard sign. But like, if the Knicks are looking at this situation, they're like, look, let's say he plays great for the rest of the year and we keep riding this guy for 35 40 minutes a night until Mitch gets back. You know what? If it goes great, um like we'll we'll just put the max offer that we could put on the table and hope he signs it cuz that's all we could do anyway. And if he starts to break down a little bit and if he starts to become less effective, well then all of a sudden All of the the, any other teams out there who may have looked at the situation and looked like and been thinking like, oh, maybe we should pay Isaiah Hartenstein starting center money to play thirty to thirty five minutes a night for all our ball club. Well, if his if his effectiveness starts to diminish because they're playing him serious minutes, well, then all of a sudden maybe his market goes down. Again, is that an incredibly cynical way to look at this? Absolutely. I'm just. I'm just kind of wondering, like, if the alternative is to go out now and pay way more for a backup center than they want to and that they probably should, I'm not sure if they're gung-ho to do that either. So, yeah. Thank you, Don.
2: Appreciate you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?